Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to NJS Base Podcast Program, Conversations on New Jersey Education. And it's a program designed to bring education issues and education leaders to you, and we hope that you're part of the conversation. Uh, if you want to participate, all you have to do is dial 1-347-989-8904 and press number 1, and that will let Robin know, who's monitoring our switchboard, that um, you have a question, and, uh, and I will uh, then put you on. Or we have a chat room available. You have to log in with uh, Log Talk Radio, but there's no fee for that. And you can just type in any question that y- you want, and um, I'll pass it on to our guest. I'm very excited about today's. Uh, today we'll be talking about um, vaping, which I know has been in the headlines a lot in recent years. But uh, at New Jersey School Board Association, we've been dealing with this subject for a couple of years now. Uh, with me, I have two people. Uh, first, I have Christina Martins from the Tobacco Free for a Healthy New Jersey. Welcome, Christina. Hi, Ray. Thank you for having me. Good to talk to you again. I have talked to Christina several times. She's my go-to person on vaping. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also with us from uh, Tobacco Free for Health New Jersey is Carlo um, Favretto. Did I pronounce that right? I don't have it in front of me now. Yes. Yes. Okay, good. And, Carl, you're a school board member, too. Yes, I am, down in the Buna Regional School District in Atlanta County. Oh, good for you. So you can look at this from a couple of perspectives. So uh, in today's conversation, we're going to be looking at this from, a, you know, the who, who, vapes, what is vaping, how it's marketed, there's the health risk, uh, some of the recent incidents that we had, and then uh, maybe what you can do as a school district uh, and the regulations that surround it. Uh, we'll try to get that all done in 45 minutes. It's a, it's a lot, but we'll see. Um, and just, uh, Christine, I may ask you a question. Carl, if you feel like you want to chime in, go ahead. Um, sure. So, Christina, what is vaping for people who are, you know, or a little bit older and may not have seen it or had to deal with it when they were growing up? Yeah, so vaping is the action of inhaling from an e-cigarette. E-cigarettes are also known as vape pens, vaporizers, tanks, mod, and even Juul. Um, Regardless of whatever you call these products, they're all battery-powered vaporizers originally used to inhale liquid nicotine. Um, but other substances such as THC and CBD oils can be used as well. Okay, and uh, who does vaping? Who's the the market for uh, the, uh, the, for vaping? Yeah, so vaping has become an epidemic among our youth. In the U.S., one in five high school students are current e-cigarette users, and one in 20 middle school students are current e-cigarette users. That's approximately 3.6 million youth are using e-cigarettes. As for adults, you have 18, so specifically adults, 18 to 24-year-olds are the highest age group of adult e-cigarette users. This is also the highest age group of adult non-smokers to use e-cigarettes. All right, so it's it's actually relatively new coming to our younger generation. You know what I should have done, uh, and maybe, Carl, you can... Who is Tobacco Free for Health in New Jersey? Uh, I, I've been promoting you guys, but uh, who is it and um, who are you affiliated with? I'll, I'll let Carl take this one. Uh, sure. So uh, I particularly work out of Atlantic Prevention Resources, which is a prevention agency down in Atlantic County. 
Um, and together we partner with, uh, for example, Christina over at the New Jersey Perinatal Cooperative um, and the New Jersey Prevention Network uh, under this umbrella program, Tobacco Free for a Healthy New Jersey, which is a program that's funded by the New Jersey State Department of Health, uh, Nutrition, and Fitness. Okay, and uh, we'll talk about this later, but you guys provide training and other uh, services for uh, school districts and others. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, we provide a, a series of trainings currently um, called Don't Get Baked In. Um, Christina and I have the pleasure to present together at these trainings where we feature a series of presentations. Um, one is an adult-to-adult -adult presentation designed to give either to faculty members within schools community members, um, or, or simply um, for adult education. Um, the youth uh, parent, excuse me, the adult to youth presentation is one that Christina gives. Um, and Christina can probably speak more on that presentation. Yeah, so that was created for youth. Um, age range can be anywhere from uh, early college students or high school or even middle school students. And now I'm starting to hear requests for fifth graders, so the elementary really? level as well. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah, and well, the, go ahead. the thing, uh, that leads me into the question, so uh, what's the marketing strategy for vaping? Is it geared towards our youth? It, it's, it seems that way. I mean, they're doing everything that Big Tobacco used to do. They're using celebrity endorsements, uh, sponsoring uh, music and sporting events, using misleading claims that it's healthy and safe. Um, and, and while cigarette ads um, today, our, our young generation, even myself included, has never seen a tobacco ad on television and radio, and that's because it's been banned since the 70s. Yet with the e-cigarette industry, they can market their product wherever they want, television, radio, magazines, the Internet, and then, of course, with today's generation, they're on social media. They're using Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat specifically to target towards youth. In addition to all of this, one of the biggest strategies to market towards teens is to lure them in with their flavors. There are over 15,000 different flavors out in the market, everything from cocktail flavors to fruity flavors to dessert flavors. You name it, they have it. And uh, I uh, understand I have two follows up on that. I've seen some of the uh, the designs on it, and it kind of mimics some of the uh, children's cereals and gum and, and things of that sort. Is that do they yep. still do that? Um, so the FDA did send out letters to the the vaping companies that were selling products that mimic uh, food products that look like apple juice or whipped cream. Um, and they did send a letter so that they remove that. But, I mean, all right, so the packaging may not look like a box of cereal anymore, but it still has, you know, colorful images on it with cartoons. Um, and they still have candy flavors, you know. So. Okay. And the other thing I've heard, and I've heard this on the radio, um, it's kind of like, um, and this is probably more for adults, that it's a healthy alter alternative to smoking. That if you want to quit smoking, uh, 
try vaping instead. It's better. And it almost sounds like a health ad. Right. So everyone, we at this point, again, our generation, our young generation, and our older generation, we all know that smoking is deadly. Um, it causes a, a list of diseases and, and cancers, um, illnesses. It affects um, other illnesses or medications. It's like we all know the risk of smoking. Um, so by advertising that it's safe or healthy, really tricks people into believing that. Um, you know, some people, specifically maybe parents, are saying, well, I'd rather my kid vape than smoke cigarettes. But, again, if you look back to the numbers, our smoking rates in the United States and even New Jersey, our smoking numbers are so low, um, and each year those cigarette numbers would decline in high school students. And now because of vaping being introduced, you're, you know, the, the concern is that we're going to start seeing those other tobacco numbers like cigarette use and cigar use starting to go back up in the opposite direction. So, you know, people saying that it's safe and healthy, it's not true. Um, that was a way for the e-cigarette industry to market their products um, to trick people. And, in fact, they can no longer use the term healthy or safe. But, unfortunately, that message has kind of already been stored into everyone's brains, and that's how they use it to describe their products. And I, I'd also like to, comment, I'd like to comment really quickly. You know, we should be reminded that these youth who are who are using e-cigarettes, who are using Jules Vape, um, they are youth who wouldn't have otherwise started smoking. And, mm-hmm. you know, speaking to Christina's point, those numbers are so low, now they've captured the market that, that they no longer had access to and are attracting the kids who otherwise would not have started. You know, you mentioned the word Jewel, and I, and I we, and, uh, Christina, I know you talked about e-cigarettes. Uh just could you describe what a jewel is? Because I think I'll, um, some people may not know. They may have seen someone vaping. They don't even know it. They don't even know what the device looks like. Could you kind of describe what these devices are and what jewel is a little separate? Because that's one of the bigger uh, companies sure. out there. Yeah, so jewel is um, probably still the number one e-cigarette brand out in the market. It looks like a USB. Um, so it's pretty small, like fits in the uh, the the palm of your hand, um, it's, so it's easy to hide. Um, not to mention, it looks like an everyday item, and a USB. Everyone uses a USB, not a big deal. So it's also just the look of it is more futuristic, and they're normalizing their product. So e-cigarettes today don't really look like regular cigarettes like they did when they first came back came out in the market in 2007. Um, so that's really the industry now normalizing their product, making it look futuristic or cool. But anyways, um, Juul, it's just an, a type of e-cigarette, really no difference. Um, and what comes with the Juul is pods. So the pods are pre-packaged cartridges that already contain liquid nicotine in it. And just a fun fact that you can take to your kids, um, whether it be your students or kids at home, so a Juul pod is less than an inch big. It holds less than a milliliter. And one Juul pod is like smoking a pack of cigarettes worth of nicotine. Wow. Um, so that's a lot. 
Yeah, a lot. And so that gets us into some of the health risks. Uh, what are some of the, before we get into some of the recent episodes that have occurred? Um, what are some of the health risks uh, associated with the vaping? So, as, as I already mentioned, nicotine uh, is addictive. Um, nicotine is the addictive component found in all tobacco products. It's known to be as addictive as cocaine, heroin, and alcohol. Um, it can also permanently affect brain development in young people because their brain isn't fully developed in, until about their mid-20s. Um, so exposure to nicotine at a young age may affect brain circuits that control their attention, learning, mood, and impulse control. Um, other concerns include may trigger asthma attacks in certain individuals, as well as e-liquid poisoning, because nicotine, besides being addictive, is a poison. Um, and then, of course, the whole lung irritation, difficulty breathing, shortness of breath, those kind of stuff. Well, is... What is the, is it actually a vapor that people are inhaling, or is it something else? Uh, so that's a great question. Um, so this, they, so they used to advertise that it was um, water vapor, right? Mm-hmm. Again, no water. If you read the ingredients to any of these products, you will not find water listed. Uh, it is an aerosol. So the difference between a vapor and an aerosol is a vapor is when a liquid becomes a gas, whereas an aerosol, it's a liquid, but still remains tiny little droplets. And that's what people are inhaling into their lungs as well as what they're exhaling. So what I, how I explain this to students is body spray, hairspray. Would you inhale that into your lungs? And almost always, no, they're not going to inhale that into their lungs, but that's an aerosol, and that's what they're inhaling when they're vaping. Um, and the, the liquid aerosol um, studies have found heavy metals such as lead, nickel, and tin, um, cancer-causing chemicals like formaldehyde, which we use in embalming fluid. Um, and then there's always a concern with the flavorings. So, you know, just because flavorings are found in candy and we, we eat candy because it goes through our digestive system and it passes and we're, we're okay, we're fine, that does not make it safe to inhale. And I think that's a misconception that our young generation is not putting together. Um, so, so something may be safe to eat, but uh, you wouldn't, we could say that with a lot of foods, you wouldn't inhale it. Uh, correct. Because it, it, so, it's going directly to your lungs. Uh, yeah, it's but not parents should know that thing. too. Yeah. Um, all right, so we talk about, and those have been, oh, it, I've also heard you speak, and what's the popcorn uh, lung? I think you mentioned that that was a study that were, that was a concern. Yeah, yeah um, it's still um, a potential concern. So um, so popcorn lung, what is it, where did it come from? So there's a chemical called diacetyl that's been known to cause popcorn lung. Diacetyl is a, a chemical used in microwave popcorn. And we mm-hmm. eat microwave popcorn, it's okay because it goes through our digestive system. However, the employees that worked at these popcorn factories, they were exposed to diacetyl every day, breathing in the same air and dust and fumes. And over time, these employees start to develop, started to develop respiratory problems such as wheezing, coughing, and shortness of breath, ultimately being diagnosed with popcorn lungs. So what does it do to your lungs? 
it can scar the smallest airways of your lungs. And if not caught early, this can be an irreversible lung disease, meaning once you have it, it's with you for the rest of your life. So now how does this relate to vaping? One Harvard study found that 75% of the e-liquids they tested tested positive for diacetyl. And nowhere on the liquid uh, packaging does it state whether diacetyl is in it or not. So it's, it's really used at your own risk at this point. And we're going to get into the regulations on all this later on. Um, before I get into the, the recent health scares with it, uh, Carl, excuse me, what can the school district do? What are things that you think can be addressed? Because despite the recent headlines, it was probably not a good idea to have vaping anyway. Exactly. Um, so what we've been working on at Tobacco Free for Health in New Jersey, in conjunction with uh, the New Jersey Prevention Network and Legal One, um, we've developed a new school uh, comprehensive tobacco policy that school districts can adopt either in full or they can take sections of the policy that we've developed to update there. And, and it, it's so interesting, I have to tell you, I mean, being a school board member and, and, and looking over and helping to create and edit policies now, um, how archaic or old that some school districts' policies are. Um, I, I won't name the district, but one district hasn't updated its um, tobacco policy since 1994. Last time I checked, we're in 2019. And so, you know, it, it, it's important that we provide them with a policy that allows them to update their current policies to be as recent as possible to include all the proper language and terminology. But also, you know, I can tell you looking at policies across um, the state that not one school district has the same policy. They're all mm -hmm. different in terms of their their code of conduct and, and what happens to students if they are caught vaping or using any tobacco product. And i got to tell you, most of them are suspending their kids out of school for somewhere as little as three days, but even some districts' policy has it as extreme as up to five and ten days out of school suspension. And we all know that once you send a, a student home for five days or more out of school suspension, that's money out of the district's uh, budget that has to pay for home instruction for those students. And Suspending kids out of school for vaping or using any tobacco product is not helping them. They're not learning any lessons. If you suspend a kid out of school for five or ten days, they're just going to be home vaping for five or ten days. You've done nothing to try to adjust that problem. So within our new uh, school uh, comprehensive tobacco policy, we've included a measure uh, and change in the school district's code of conduct to include an alternative to suspension feature that's based upon restorative justice practices. Uh, this is an educational program that will allow youth uh, who have been caught using any tobacco products, namely vaping, to get access to a four-hour educational program that is completely web-based. Um, and this allows the youth to learn about all tobacco products, not just vaping, um, but allows them also at the end of the program to come out of it with a certificate showing the amount of education that they've received they will get to take a series of pre-tests and post-tests to measure their knowledge on the subject that they've learned, uh, and also it's altered um, based upon their answers to those questions. And school administrators can constantly um, maintain access to that student's progress to see how far that they've come along in that program, to make sure that they have followed everything properly the way that they should, but also be there to help the student if necessary. 
Um, and in addition to that introduction of the ASPIRE program or this alternative to suspension, um, there also is a provision where they will meet with the the SAC of the school or a student assistance counselor or whoever should be equivalent to that role for the school district. So that way the education is always there, the prevention aspect is always there, um, and access, of course, um, to having conversations with the student's parents. Because I have to tell you, not many parents know or understand that their youth are using some of these products. Um, you know, like I, I say all the time, our kids aren't stupid. Um, they, they know where to get the products, and they know how to conceal the products. And unfortunately, that's how many of these products are designed. They're designed to be concealable, and, and that's something that we definitely need to watch out for. Yeah, and that gets me to the regulations a little bit. Uh, Christina, what are the regulations currently nationwide in, uh, in, in, in New Jersey? Um, so, uh, starting with nationwide, um, so the FDA is regulating all tobacco products, including e-cigarettes. Um, they got approval back in 2009, but when they really started to take action was in 2016. They made it nationwide to purchase e-cigarettes. You have to be at least 18. Um, however, in New Jersey, we were ahead of the game. Um, the age of sale to purchase in New, in New Jersey uh, increased from 19 to 21. Uh, we were the third state to pass this tobacco um, age of sale to 21. Um, also, in New Jersey, since 2010, um, you cannot vape in indoor public places, such as restaurants or bars. So that's already great. So that limits teens or young children from seeing this out in the open. Um, and more recently this year, New Jersey, uh, public beaches and parks have actually gone smoke and vape-free. And then recently... Um, you know, there's more stuff coming in New Jersey. Earlier this month, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy created a task force to investigate e-cigarettes. And within the next several weeks, this task force will determine what should be changed, if anything at all. Um, so they're working very hard on, you know, trying to fix this or resolve this issue so, you know, more teens aren't going or becoming sick or ill. Uh, from mm -hmm. vaping. And now, uh, is there any regulations on? Uh, I, I see wherever I drive, I see a lot of uh, vape stores. Are there any regulations on what they can do and sell? Because I, I hear uh, now that there's some some concern buy it from a legitimate vape shop, whatever that means. Um, are are you speaking on in the, the shop US itself or in New Jersey? In New Jersey. Uh, in New Jersey, I mean, they can only sell to 21. Um, it's, um, Walmart um, nationwide is no longer selling e-cigarettes. And as for other states, I believe it's Michigan and New York, they are no longer, they're banning e-cigarette e flavors. Okay, now those are the flavors that were marketed towards uh, the kids. Yep. Okay. Um, now, Alyssa, in, in addressing this issue, and Carl kind of addressed one of the things, and I, I think, Christina, I think you mentioned earlier, 
a lot of kids will not take up smoking because of the education component. They've learned a lot about it. it you know, we've done a lot of uh, out, outreach on that. Uh, is that the way to, to address uh, vaping as well? I think it's a good start. If it's worked in the past, why not give it another shot and hopefully it work again? Um, you know, with education, yes, it takes time, but if we continue to educate them every year, like when do kids learn about tobacco? They learn about it maybe third grade, maybe middle school, but then they learn about it every single year. Just even a, even if it's a short little reminder, like and smoking's deadly. Smoking has that seven thousand chemicals. Hmm. Why not try that again with vaping and educate them on that? Um, because right now, like there's. So many misleading claims and information. Even if you Google information on vaping, it's hard to find accurate information because most likely the top 10 links on Google are pro vaping sites, whether it be um, vape stores or uh, bloggers that vape. Um, so we really, you know, by addressing it, educating it, we can hopefully prevent it. Um, but with that, I think we do need an um, enforcement on, you know, for example, age of sale to purchase, you know, you have to be 21. So enforcing that as well um, is, a, is a good start. And uh, I don't know, Carla or Christina, what about parents? What should parents know? How, and how, you know what, if you're a parent, how do you uh, uh, talk to your child about vaping? Do you just take it away, or is this a conversation that should occur? Um. Carlo, if it's okay, I'll uh, take this one, and if you want to add anything else to it. But um, sure. always have the discussion with uh, your teen. And it's, and it's important not to make it a lecture. Um, you know, telling a teen not to do something, I feel like, makes them want to do it more. Maybe just starting the conversation as to asking them what their thoughts are on vaping. See if they think it's good or bad. Uh, find out if they know anyone that vapes. See if anyone they know vapes is within their friend group. You know, just get an idea of, you know, if they're around it, you know, who's using it, where have they seen it, um, what are their thoughts and beliefs on it. And if they share their thoughts and beliefs, maybe um, the parent could, if there needs to be any, like, correction, provide factual information if the information the teen is providing is not correct. For example, if the teen was explaining that it's just water vapor, the parent should, you know, pull up some information that there are heavy metals being detected and, and cancer-causing ones as well. Um, also, the parent should consider, um, you know, setting an example for their teen. So the parent, it's always best if they go, you know, tobacco-free. So not only smoke-free, but, you know, the parent maybe shouldn't use the vape products either. Um, you know, children mimic their role models. Um, children of parents who smoke are more likely to become smokers because they're around it. Um, so setting a good example. And if, if that parent ha is a smoker or, or quit, explaining to them, you know, firsthand what addiction was like so that they can really understand and that, that it was a struggle to quit, you know, Offering mm -hmm. examples, um, but yeah, I don't, Carla. I don't know if you have anything else that parents should do. Yeah, I mean, I would just like to add that as much as we need to educate the youth, we also need to educate the parents about what's going on. Um, not just you know what to look out for, 
or what are some devices that might mimic something like every, an everyday item that a youth might use, but also parents need to be educated in general about the dangers of vaping because they, they understand some of the same myths that the youth do. Um, so getting out there and, and doing community events and providing that education, um, you know, schools have the ability to hold, hold workshops for parents all the time, and, and we all know uh, from the school board's perspective, something that almost every school does is a back-to-school night. And so that's always one way to access parents and at least give them educational information that they've not had before. And would you guys be able to provide or train staff to talk about vaping to uh, parents? Absolutely. We provide that education all the time. Um, as I mentioned, it's part of our Don't Get Vaped In curriculum that we go out and provide uh, trainings and presentations all the time to parents, to staff at school, and to students. Um, and I just wanted to add, um, because I didn't get to in include it last time, was uh, the Don't Get Vaped In presentation also contains that youth-to-youth -youth component. The presentation that was created by youth designed to be given to other youth. Um, and, and while it might be nice to come listen to me talk for, for a half hour, 45 minutes, or Christina to come talk for 45 minutes, um, youth get a lot more information when it's coming from someone their own age. And, and thankfully, what we have going great for us here in New Jersey is a great uh, youth advocacy group, um, and I'm going to plug it here, that is the at Incorruptible Us on Instagram, um, and also Incorruptible Us that you can follow on Facebook, and it's a group and campaign designed uh, specifically targeting the vaping epidemic, but it involves all youth engagement and youth empowerment. Um. Okay, we talked about parents, we talked about youth. What about school personnel? How can you tell, what are some signs that uh, maybe kids are vaping in school? Because my understanding, uh, particularly with the Jewel, is there's not a lot of big uh, uh, puffs of vape that you can see. Sometimes it's very hard to see that something's going on. So uh, I know some schools yeah. I found out actually through metal detectors and stuff like that, but what are some hints? Sure. So um, a sign that somebody in school might be vaping might if you, you smell a sweet scent coming off of them. Um, but I can tell you that the number one area of concern where youth are vaping in the schools are the bathrooms. Constantly when I go in and talk to school personnel, whether it be, you know, the vice principal or principal or just teachers, but the youth in the school will tell you that the number one place that youth are using these devices are in the bathroom. And it's true that you cannot always see the cloud. Um, it, it depends what type of device that the youth is using. If they're using a huge tank mod, for example, that's designed to emit a large cloud, um, and, and, and often youth using those devices are inhaling pretty deeply, which causes that large, large cloud to appear, um, that's visible. But devices like the Jewel and Enjoy, for example, are, are devices that are designed where you don't see this large emitting cloud. And again, these are devices that are meant to be concealable. So the youth will conceal when they're using it. Again, it fits right in the palm of their hand. Um, but they are able to conceal it by just simply either uh, blowing out the smoke or blowing out that aerosol uh, right there in the public, and you, you might not even be able to see it. But in the bathrooms, when the boys' bathroom in a school smells like strawberry or a fruit punch, you know that something else is going on in there other than youth using the bathroom. And so um, we, we definitely need to pay attention to the areas like that. Um, but we also need to pay attention, um, for example, on our buses, because 
one area of report that we get youth vaping all the time is on the bus, on the way to school, or on the way home from school. Um, so we do need to be um, uh, very adherent to that and, and, and listen to where the youth say that this is a problem in their school, and then we need to find out how we can work with those schools to properly address the problem. Okay, and before I go on, to, I, I do want to talk, uh, and Christine, maybe you can address this one. In recent uh, weeks and months, uh, there's been some, uh, we've been talking about the overall health risk to it, but there's been some uh, uh, mysterious illnesses uh, and even deaths um, associated with uh, vaping products. Uh, could you uh, touch on that? Sure. Um so there's still, like you said, it's mysterious. It's still very unknown. What we do know is that in all these cases, some type of vape product was being used, whether it was just nicotine or if it was a nicotine-based product and THC or even CBD, something was being used with a vaping device. So there's... So there's different cases about what exactly was in the product. Um, so at this time, you know, like I said, it takes time, you know, to figure out, um, you know, the exact cause. Um, so scientists and doctors are still looking into the exact cause. Um, some are already believing that it's strictly um, street drugs, um, like, like pre-packaged cartridges that contain THC and other chemicals that are unknown. Um, some are saying it's a vitamin E acetate, which, again, is, uh, could be coming from, like, the black market. Um, so at this time, it's not 100% sure, but in all these cases, in fact, the CDC recorded uh, 530 cases is related to some some type of vape product. Um, all these cases are located in 38 states and the Virgin Islands. And the CDC on their website currently has listed seven confirmed deaths, but as of yesterday, NBC News states that there's now nine deaths. Um, the most recent one was in Kansas, so now Kansas State has a total of two deaths. Um, however, in New Jersey, we have no deaths. Um, in New Jersey, we have nine confirmed cases. 24 cases are under investigation. Um, ages range anywhere from 15 years old to 51 years old. Um, however, these numbers are always changing. So if you are interested in staying up to date on these New Jersey cases, I recommend visiting www.vapefactsnj.com. They update their numbers every Tuesday, and they have a lot of great information about vaping in general. Um, so that's a great source. I have a follow-up question to that. Uh, but before I do, I just want to, if anyone has a question for either Christina or Carlo or both, uh, you can type it in the chat room, and I'll pass it on to them. Or you can dial 1-347-989-8904, and I'll pass it on to them, and Robin will take your question. Um, you talked. You t kind of touched on it um, with the vaping products. They can doctor some of these pods, and they can do almost create their own uh, vaping flavor. And, and yeah, they can they, also use uh, marijuana type uh, uh, in the 
in the pods? Yeah, so you can um, hack into into some of the, the products, the vaping products out there, um, including Juul. So like I said, Juul is a prepackaged uh, product. Um, so you can just take apart the pod and then refill it with whatever liquid or flavor of your choice. Um, so again, it's who knows what people are putting into that. Uh, and, you know, sometimes people will customize their own flavor um, and they don't know how much nicotine they're putting in or what other chemicals and oils they're putting in. Um, so, it's again, it's, it's really use at your own risk. Okay. And uh, do the, uh, my understanding is that some of the vape shops can even, they create their own flavors, uh, kind of like a cocktail, I guess. Uh, is that yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you exactly. can go in there and they, they can say you can take a little bit of, this and a little bit of that, and you create your own flavor? Yeah, so you can ask for, like, a, a pina colada type of flavor, and they'll customize it right there. Uh, if some people are looking for a specific amount of nicotine, like a, nic- uh, a certain amount of nicotine levels, um, they might adjust it to that. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it is. Like a, It's like a, a bar almost, but for vape. So, uh, Carl, I'm going to go back to you on, uh, is there anything else that you would recommend in terms of the education or the uh, changes in law that might help uh, in this area? I mean, I, I can tell you tell you very clear that um, the number one appealing factor for youth using these products is the flavoring. So, you know, something that, like, Michigan and New York have done already in terms of banning flavors of the sale of flavored products would definitely significantly lower the appeal for youth to use this product because if you limit the, the product to be used to the tobacco flavors as they're suggesting, um, youth don't don't link up what they're doing that has anything to do with tobacco. They know that smoking is bad for them. Uh, they don't want to do what they're doing to have to taste like cigarettes. Um, so the tobacco flavor is one that's not used by youth. Um, so if you eliminated the flavor aspect of that, uh, I, I imagine that we would see a significant decline in the amount of youth who are using. But education is, is always key. The more that we can get the information to dispel the myths that already exist out there, um, the, the more beneficial that, um, or more beneficial progress that we will be able to um, engage in. And so, as I mentioned before, education is key. Banning flavors definitely be key into help combating this epidemic, um, but it, it's not just uh, from one prong or that you have to take this action from. You, you must attack it from every point of view possible, whether that be introducing legislation, changing school policy, um, or, or educating not just students, but also faculty members, staff in schools, and parents as well. Everybody needs to be educated on what's actually going on. That way we get to spell the mess that exists. My understanding, and either one of you can chime in, is that we're, uh, Christina, you mentioned that there's a task force looking at it, but it seems like some of the work, what I've heard from some of the legislators in New Jersey is that they're open to looking at uh, being a little bit more restrictive on this. Uh, Is that something that your organization is hoping for? Um, Oh, okay, sorry. So uh, 
it, it depends if it depends what it is. Um, is is this going to be something similar that we've done with um, cigarettes? Um, we know that's helped, right? Um, mm-hmm. So we'd we'd be interested to see something similar like that. Um, but anything that works, even if it's a new idea, we're open to it. Um, but like I said, the governor has a task force coming up with ideas and recommendations, and so you know they're they're no, they know what they're doing, right? So we'll uh, hopefully be able to help them with whatever it is that they decide or recommend in terms of change for this. Okay, uh, we're coming towards the end. Um, so do you have any final recommendations? I'll start with you, Carl. Any final recommendations uh, or places where people can get more information? Absolutely. So you can always go, as Christina said, on the Big Facts website, but you can also learn more information about Tobacco Free for Healthy New Jersey by going to www.tobaccofreenj.com. Um, that website is available for anyone to go on. Um, and always post information about these trainings that Christina and I give, but also has a portal available um, for that way those people who are trained can always access the updated material every time we update um, any of the presentations with the newest facts, newest numbers, um, and, and also has the ability for school personnel to go on and access information about how we can change school policy. Um, as I said, that's, that's one big initiative that we are working on, so I would encourage anyone who's listening, who works in schools or who are, all, who are on school boards, to go on that website and contact us if we're, in, we're within your region. I specifically cover the seven southern counties, that is Burlington County South, but there is a regional coordinator in, in every section, uh, southern, central, and northern regions of New Jersey, who are able to assist you and your schools um, to get you the help that you need. And Christina, any final thoughts of uh, uh, training opportunities for school personnel? Um, not just the ones that Carlo mentioned, which you can find on the website on tobaccofreenj.com. Um, thank you so much for having me. Oh, well, my pleasure. Uh, I think a lot of our members, uh, they didn't grow up with dating, so it's relative. It, it's new to them. Uh, and a lot of them are parents, so they they haven't dealt with it. So I think it's important that we get the the word out about uh, vaping, what it is, what it, the health risks associated, and what school districts can do. So I'd like to thank uh, both Carlo and Christina for joining me. Thank the two of you. Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you. All right, and then and Carlo, maybe I'll see you at a, a school board association event. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll make sure I say at, hi. At the Okay, and that brings us to the end, end of the episode. So I'd like to thank them for joining us, and I hope everyone enjoyed the program and found it informative. Thank you, and have a good afternoon. <coughs>